Welcome to this episode of Athletic Training Chat. On this episode, we talk with Ashley, who is Ash Tapes Ankles. Um, she is an athletic trainer down south, and in this episode, we focus specifically on looking at resumes and cover letters and just some of the things that really people should be looking for. And this is really geared towards students um, or early professionals. Uh, a lot of the things we talk about are specific to that person looking at that point in their career. But really some of this stuff can apply to anyone um, across the board as someone who's just tried to redo his CV because he did not do a good job keeping up with it throughout his young career. Um, highly recommend you start with that. As always, we are powered by Mueller Sports Medicine. Uh, please check them out as I'm sure we all have some downtime um, and are looking at budgets for next year, hopefully. Um, they're well worth a look. Enjoy this episode. episode of Athletic Training Chat, we are on with Ashley Arm Brewster, um, who is a athletic trainer down in Texas, and we'll let her get into her background a little bit more here in just a second. But we are talking resumes, cover letters, um, and everything that goes into that when it comes really to anybody, but mainly I think focusing around some student um, recommendations as they're coming out. Um, very interested in your intake on this as we've, I've gotten to do my own fair share of that and had conversations about it. Um, which is ultimately by the probably the time this is out to everybody going to be very very timely as the great job shift starts happening. Definitely. Spring, so this will work out really really good. So with that, I'll turn it over to you to kind of fill us in about um, your background and why this topic. Cool. Um, so my name is Ashley Armbruster. Like he said, I am actually originally from Florida. I did my undergraduate at the University of Florida. Um, I was there for four years and then I made my move, my first move out to Texas, I guess I should say. I did an athletic training residency through Houston Methodist Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. So as part of that, I did like residency training and then I was also the assistant at a high school. I did that for a year. Um, I think that really like set me kind of down the path that I'm at after that. I went to St. Houston State University in Huntsville, Texas, where I worked women's soccer and women's basketball, um, women's soccer for two years and women's basketball I covered for a season. After that, I went to Iowa State University up in Ames, Iowa, and I worked with women's soccer and women's tests there, and then it was way too cold. So I ended up coming back down to Texas, and currently I'm at Texas A&M Corpus Christi, uh, working with primarily women's soccer. Um, I am for a little bit taking over outdoor track and field. So that's pretty much like everything about me, I guess. I have always been kind of passionate about resumes and cover letters. I think it comes partially from my program director, uh, Patty Tripp, because we had an entire like three day, like quick course on like things that you put in a resume and cover letter and also like giving presentations. And then through all the different uh, settings that I've been at, I've been fortunate or disfortunate to have gone through the hiring process quite a lot, looking at lots of resumes and cover letters that are coming through and like one of my things is like I go through and I like pick out things and 
oh, like this looks cooler. Oh, this person like did a really bad job on this. So, like maybe um, we should be looking at some other candidates, like if their resumes or cover letters really stand out. Um, so that's kind of just my background in it. I know I've only been an athletic trainer for five and a half years now, um, but this is just like one of my things that I guess because I've seen so many and I've seen so many good ones and so many bad ones um, that I feel like it really is helpful to have a talk like this about it. So for anyone who's hopefully paying attention, um, hopefully this can give you some tips on how to kind of set those up. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I've had the ability to look at more just in my role here. We just hired a couple people and we being in the state system within uh, Wisconsin, I've been on more mm -hmm. screen committees, not just for athletic training, but for football coaches and other positions and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, we get 150 applicants for a football coach one and oh gosh, 30 of them you can just set to the side because a they're, they're nothing corresponds to what's actually going or they didn't actually answer the question or what was being asked and it kind of self-selects. So, um, yeah, kind of just getting started on the conversation. What would you say are like the basics of a solid resume? I think the basics, um, I know that I kind of got my start from when I was a student, I was, we actually started making our resumes like the end of our junior year in case like we wanted to try and get internships over the summer and anything. Honestly, my biggest like experience from that was just looking at resumes from my fellow students or if you're already in a working environment, looking at the resumes of your peers because those are the ones like you already kind of know that they're working. Um, I know like you can go on Microsoft Word and Google like resume template and like 50 million things will pop up and they're the ones that are like really good for creative design because they have like lots of like distracting media and like weird bubbles everywhere. Like you can put your picture on there, which like you can do, but athletic training being more of a healthcare profession, it looks better to have one of those more professional resumes. Um, probably the biggest things are like make sure that um, like all the information on there is very relevant. One of the things I hate to see is, and we actually, um, in the past had someone come across where they had like all of this stuff about, Oh, I was, um, I worked retail at Macy's and I had like these four jobs. And like, I also had this other, um, position that I did kind of part-time during college. And like that section was longer than their athletic training like, actual experience. So it's like, okay, like you need to know what you need to highlight. Um, I think one of the big things, like just making sure that you're, staying current with your resume if it's the first time like and what i do is i i still have it i have a running list on my microsoft like a word template oh i wish i would have done every single volunteer like every single volunteer experience i've done every single continuing education you've done so that way like as they start building up um like as you're a student it's really good to highlight those things like oh i worked this 5k and i worked like i helped out with these soccer games well like that's good stuff or if you helped host a conference tournament like those are really good things because even if you didn't work that sport as a clinical rotation you can still show that you have experience in it Absolutely. um and just keep like a running tally because then if you do get into more professional and i know especially once you, if you do end up in academic then you have was it the curricula vitae yeah, i, I just, don't remember what because i butcher it otherwise but yes 
absolutely keep that running thing. yeah so those can like end up being like 20 pages and that's where you put literally everything that you have um 33 and i'm trying to go back and re-put mine together because i've never started that and it has been more painful than i care to imagine <laughs> it's like random things will pop up and be like oh i need to write that down i forgot i did that so yes start early Yes. So I literally have one. Um, I've titled it like a arm booster. That way it doesn't, I don't know, there's not a ton of arm boosters in the world, but that way, like you can separate that. And then like, I just call it like resume one. And then as I go through, like I had one or two different resumes as a student. And then when I started transitioning, like, okay, I'm going to grad school. I already have a year of experience. How am I going to like change this around? Um, so that's when you do start like developing your resumes a little bit more and you do make them longer as I would say as a student either looking like for your first full-time job or like looking for a graduate assistant spot I honestly don't see any way that you have more than a one-page resume <laughs> because like all you have is your undergraduate experience yep. and you should be able to be detailed but like you probably only have three maybe three years of just like clinical um like your athletic training student experiences there's probably should not be enough to be like on a two page because otherwise like you're almost filling space at that point because you don't have that much then right. once you get into your first job or something that's when it'll really like like mine right now I have five and a half years experience and I finally have enough to like have a full two pages so um so yeah I think some important things are um I know that I've seen resumes where they'll list what the clinical site is and then they'll list just like athletic training student working with women's soccer, athletic training student working with track and field. Okay, well, like what sets you apart from others then? Like start putting the experiences that you do, whether you, like, were you involved in writing a rehab for like an interesting injury or were you in charge of putting in the medical documentation or did you talk with coaches at all? Like for one of my rotations um, and it was at a high school, my athletic trainer preceptor actually had me or two of the sports actually go and give the coaches injury reports. And those are good things. Like it's good to know that you can see rather than, Oh, I worked women's soccer. Okay. Well, like what did you do that makes you stand out above anybody else? Um, so yeah. And then basics of building a resume. Yeah. I would say that's pretty much make sure that you have your education. I might get some lashback for this. I think the education should be the first thing that's listed on your resume right under your header, yep. because especially looking at different settings, like if you don't have a master's degree, like your resume is going out the window. So like you want to be able to put upfront because I think your education is a really huge part of how you are as an athletic trainer. Um, whether your program like is known for having good athletic trainers coming out of it or anything like that. I think it's, really good to stand behind your alma maters and be able to showcase that experience. Um, and then make sure that you're just putting everything in a logical manner. Like I always put like my education will be first. And then I put my work experiences as a certified athletic trainer. Um, at this point, hopefully too many people aren't watching this. They're like 10 years out redoing their resumes, but like you got to figure out a point at which you drop off your student clinical experiences yep. so like I kept mine up until I went like until I finished grad school and that's when mine like kind of dropped off because it's like well now I have two to three years of experience those don't really matter unless like I can say later in the future if I'm applying for a job where I didn't work with it as a certified but I was exposed to it as a student absolutely so like I did a rotation with lacrosse so if I ever um 
if I ever try and apply for a job that works with lacrosse, but that's something like you can add in your cover letter too. Like I did have experience with this or bring it up in an interview. So I think kind of after like, after you finish your master's or after you finish those like one to two years of certified experiences, that's when those like your student experiences drop off. Um, and then next would be like your certifications because those are obviously really important. Make sure you have your BOC. I like to see the actual like BOC number um, and how long you've been certified wherever you hold licenses. I like to put the license number because then they can also look you up and just verify that you do have the license. Um, I understand that some certifications like I'm CES certified, those don't have a necessarily certification number. Yep. Um, but making sure that you're really current with all that. And then another thing I like to see is, are you actually like a NATA member? And so put like your NATA membership, like I've been a member for this long. And then that also automatically enrolls you in the district and at the state level too. So make sure that you list those two. Um, because like for me, I can put, because I've been like in and out of Texas, but I've been a member of those Texas ones since 2014 rather than like I just came back two years ago because I kept kind of those current also because I was only in Iowa for two years. So this kind of like stayed over through the cycle. Yep. Um, but make sure that you're putting those down um, because those show where you've been and they can kind of show like where you've been active too. And, and then I would follow that with your volunteer experiences and those can be a really great way to highlight like, yeah, I just, it'll separate you from the people who just go and you do your job 40 hours, 60 hours, whatever it ends up being. Or are you more of a team player? Like you're helping out. For example, I live at, a, I work at a college, so I'm constantly helping out with track meets or helping out host this or everything like that. It kind of shows that you're a team player or if you're working in a different setting and you're volunteering for five K's or you're volunteering for these different camps, like, those show that you're doing something outside of your job to mm -hmm. gain more experience and also just showing that you're active in the community too, which I think is really important. Definitely. Okay. So I guess um, the next thing I would go to are like, what are the do's and don'ts um, of resumes? So one thing you should do is have a consistent header. So your header should be like your name and your name should be bigger than uh, everything else in the header. So the rest of it, like you should have a phone number, make sure that you keep your phone number up to date. Yep. Make sure that you have your email on there. Um, prefer to, I always have put a personal, like professional email that I have because yep. your email is going to change. Like if you put your school email or your work email, those will change between jobs. And if someone like keeps your resume on file for something and then they try and reach out to you, right. that email is going to be shut down if you've already left. Yep. Um, and then be able to keep that header, use it for your resume, use it for your cover letter, and then use it for your references. If you want to keep all of it in one document, that's great. I personally don't. I keep all of mine separate because sometimes uh, job sites, wherever you're applying, they do want those uploaded separately, or it's a lot easier to combine them if they just want them in one document. Absolutely. But if you're like having one, one header that's like different on your resume than your cover letter and you're submitting both like it almost doesn't look like a set and it just looks like you're not paying that much attention to detail. Um, and then if you have to go through, like that's two different things where you have to change a phone number, you have to change an email address. Um, the other thing that you should have is an up-to-date address as much as you can. Do not put your school address. Make sure you're putting like where you actually live um, for the same reason. If you leave that job, like at least it's an address that they should be able to get a hold of you or if you have your mail forwarded or anything like that. Um, 
Uh, the next thing I would say, make sure that you proofread your resumes and cover letters. <laughs> oh my gosh, I see so many. I see so many where they like misspell words. And I gave one of my friends shit for this um, because he was applying somewhere and he was talking about specific. It was funny because he was talking about um, an experience that he had at the University of Florida and he wrote the city Gainesville and spelled it wrong. And I'm like, dude, like you <laughs> just Google it or like spell check it or anything. But I see like, people just they're writing and they're typing and they don't think about it and it's like oh well microsoft word didn't give me like the little squiggle to tell me it was wrong or if your verbiage was wrong i think it's really important to make sure that you're looking over it on your computer screen then also print out a copy and actually like physically read the copy then you also need to give it i say to two other people and have them look over it because maybe you didn't catch something but you also wrote it so it's harder for you to like look for those kind of details especially right. with grammar um and make sure like two other people are looking over it so that way they can say like hey you worded this like really weirdly uh you really need to go and change it into this so because i think that's one of the easy it's honestly one of the easiest things that you can do and it shows it shows your lack of attention to detail if you do end up like misspelling something wrong especially if it's like like at national athletic trainers association make sure you have like the apostrophe in the right place or like different like little things like that people are going to notice it um putting that down that's always one that's yeah usually you're good for one or two of those in an applicant pool yeah definitely um focus on the things that make you stand out everybody for their first like if they're a ga or if they're um if you're at your first job, everybody knows that you're a certified athletic trainer. So don't just write certified athletic trainer for the sport. What did you do that sets you apart? Like things that I personally put on my resume and I look for, um, like what's the electronic medical record keeping that you use? Do you use like in the collegiate setting, do you use Sims? Do you use sportswear? Do you use healthy athlete? Are there other things that, uh, I know there's a lot of others, but like, what are the things that you do? Because then it might be easier to transition someone who already knows how to use that system. Right. What are, um, did you have daily meetings with your coaches or did you have weekly meetings with your coaches? Did you have weekly meetings with your strength coaches to like go over injuries? Like, were there any different injuries that you worked with? Like you don't see a ton of like hip labral tears. Did you do a rehab with one of them? Or I think one that's really becoming prevalent nowadays is like mental health and eating disorders. Like, have you managed any of those cases? Because those can be really tricky to handle. And if you're applying for a job where they know that that specific demographic might exist, it makes it a lot easier knowing that someone already has the experience. Yeah, I've dealt with this before. Like, and it'll probably come up on an interview. How have you handled it? But you at least are showing that you have the experience of, yeah, I had an athlete with this or, you don't need to give specifics like I had someone try and commit suicide or like anything like that, but just leave it broad right. but that they know that you've dealt with those specific topics. Absolutely. Um, and then probably like the biggest easy do is what I do personally is for every job, because especially like when you're a student and you're applying for all these GA ships or you're coming out of your uh, GA or out of your first year and you're like, applying to all these like separate out your cover letters and potentially your resumes and rename them by like whatever the school is so yeah. like all of mine like mine coming here was a armbruster resume tamucc mine going into grad school was a armbruster so that way you 
don't accidentally, because I've seen people that accidentally send the cover letter and like they'll send it here and it's like, oh, I'd love to be a part of Sam Houston State University Sports Medicine Department. Okay, like that's not us. <laughs> so pay attention to like those little details and like, because you're putting in all this hard work anyways, it'd Absolutely. be a real shame. Like make sure that you're looking at what the actual um, like director of sports medicine or whoever is going to be the head of the department where you're working, make sure that you have their name right. I know uh, one of my old bosses, she, they accidentally put Mr. Parker and Ooh. her name was Hope Parker. So like, that's definitely a woman most likely. So like, if you're putting Mr. Parker, okay, like your resume is going in the trash, <laughs> like, or your, yeah. your entire thing's going in the trash. Cause like you need to pay attention to those little details. Or if you can't find any, anywhere they specify like that it's just going to be a hiring committee like just right to the hiring committee like it doesn't but it's better to put those personal details if you can sure. find them yeah, that's um piggyback on that the more you can show that you did any like research about the place yeah and it doesn't have to be much it could be a sentence or two so like i don't know how i haven't looked like is if corpus christi's women's soccer is good or they're you know been good been decent and trying to get to the top like something as simple as like looking at that you know my skill set can I think my skill set can a help contribute to a winning tradition or help us take the next step that you've been working towards and yeah acknowledging those little things about that you've actually looked which takes you five minutes it's it means a lot it'll make me take a second look mm -hmm versus just being like well this is just another cover letter yeah well and even like you don't necessarily have to go back and like look at the sports either like just look on the website and see do they have a vision statement do they have a mission statement and try and like like you said it only has to be a sentence or two right. but even if you're pulling little words out of there like if one of their big things is like uh if they mention on their website that their core goal is like the health and wellness of a student athlete, like make sure that you put that somewhere yep. in the cover letter because yep. that will just help tie it in and it'll make you stand out rather than a cover letter where you can just copy and paste the name of the school. And like, then you just send it out everywhere. Like it really helps to make it personal because then you know, like you actually are like, it's something that you're more interested in and involved in. Yeah. It's not hard to spot the generic ones. It's, it can be pretty and the generic ones can be so bad like right. it can be a well-written thing but it's easy to be like well you could have sent this anywhere and none of us would know the difference that all you changed was the who it's the address who it's to and then some want you know it's to hiring committee or to whom it may concern it's just like mm -hmm. all right well you you can tell you're just blasting out applications because you have to yeah so and I think another important thing to put, like also tying into the personal nature of it is if you can throw in why you're applying to that specific school yep. or applying to that certain job. Like if I'm applying to jobs in Florida, I'm going to say like having originally been from Florida, like I'm looking forward to moving back to the area or if it is for a specific sport that you want to work or if it's at a specific division that you want to work, or if you are really looking like you really want to work in the chiropractor setting or you want to work in like as a um, physician extender, like add those personal things in to make, yep. to just say like, okay, why should we take this person over this? Like, Oh, they want to come to this area or they really want to work with this team or something like that. Agreed. <laughs> 
Um, and then make sure that you don't have outdated information on there. Um, like I said, the student clinical experiences, sometimes those can linger on a little bit too long, yep. but just make sure that everything up there is up to date. Make sure like you're staying up to date on your certifications. Um, like if you get anything new, make sure that it's on there. Or if you do have something like a CSCS and you did let it lapse, like make sure that you're not leaving it on there. And then if they ask you about it in an interview, like, oh, I don't have that anymore. Like, oh, I didn't maintain that certification. Yeah. Um, to leave it there as long as you are honest that you let it go yeah he's like i i ended up doing that let it go things changed in my job needed to add it again so went and re-got it and so mm -hmm. like a gap which i will happily explain to people if yeah oh definitely i'm not trying to hide and be like oh yeah i've actually had it for 10 years when it's really <laughs> been four or something or whatever it is because don't let it lapse. It's just easier that way. Don't retake the test. That would be my recommendation. Yeah, that's the way it is. With even like getting like I had to go back and get my Texas license, and I'm like, oh, yeah. I should have never let this lapse because it ended up being like twice the price. Yeah, because <laughs> mine ended up being like uh, redoing it because I was like super late on it. So I was like nine months late because I didn't think I was coming back that fast. Yeah, I um, understand that. But it happens. Um, and then something that you don't necessarily need to i i do to a certain extent but if you do end up having colors on your resume like mine on mine like the divider line between the header and the rest of it like is just like a line and i make it a color and it can be cool if you're applying i guess this would specifically apply to like athletics organizations is if you like just change that to make it the color of where you're applying to Absolutely. Like I said, that's like a super like annoying detail. Like only part of mine does it. Then like my resume, like just the standard colors are blue and gold in there because that's how I used to like just differentiate between everything. Um, but even like putting in those little details, I know one of my friends that said that she did that for every single one of hers. I don't think it makes that big of a difference, but then like it kind of ties in if you do do it and they're like, oh, like they actually did put forth the time to do that. And to know what our school colors are, which and to know the school, like you should know the school colors. You should know, like one thing I always like to add at the end of my cover letter is I always add in um, the mascot, and no also letter. making sure you know whether it's an athletic training department or yep. is it a sports medicine department or whether it's a sports health. Like all these things can be easily done by just like googling the school athletic website. So making sure that you don't mess that part up either. And then one nice touch, um, my program director always told us to do this is instead of just like writing out a signature, like actually have a copy of your handwritten signature on that. So we were able to use Photoshop or something where we like wrote it out and then you're able to kind of get it on a like blank screen yeah. and you just like insert that in there. So it looks like you hand signed it and it's definitely a lot more personal than just like using one of the fancy signature things that Microsoft Word gives you. Absolutely. Um, and then, so a lot of that was about uh, resumes. I guess the main thing with the cover letters, like you don't want it to be a copy and paste from every other, from every other like thing that you send out. Really the cover letter is a chance for you to really express yourself. You can share stories in there about like something that happened when you were at a specific site and why you, um, like why you maybe got an interest into something. You don't want your cover letter to just be 
your resume all over again. You want to be able to add in those little details because not everything belongs on a resume. Like you shouldn't put super personal things. Like those should be based on like what you actually did at your job, but maybe like, were you inspired by something and that's what pushed you to go into this direction or like, just like different things like that. You should be able to get a sense of the personality of the applicant from reading the cover letter. Now I know I haven't seen cover letters accepted through probably like half of the job interviews that I've like kind of looked over. And most of the time it is a resume cover letters are, I think that they're a really good touch. Um, but again, you have to make sure that that like nice touch of including one doesn't actually detract because it's like terrible. So, and like a cover letter, a lot of the times, like you can keep the body of it and just change a few things here and there and maybe like add something if it applies to that job, but just, it, it should be personal. It should add a little extra into it, but then also making sure that like you're going through and if you're going to put forth the time to do it, like make sure that you're doing it right so that you can really showcase yourself. I would agree. I, I like to see it where it's kind of to what you said, expanding, almost expanding on the resume. Mm -hmm. Reference a, you know, on your resume, you did this specific rotation, but again, like this is your opportunity to expand on that rotation or if something cool happened or like, I always like to say with students specifically because not many of them are going to go and spend the money on the certifications yet. Oh yeah. And exposed to, you know, certain techniques. Like you can write that you've seen them. Obviously you're not saying that you've been certified in them, but you at least mm -hmm. recognize what some of this stuff is. So you're not reading yeah, out of the basics out of a rehab and modality book. And I say that one to them. So if you got, you know, worked with a preceptor that was, big into functional movement like yeah sure maybe mm -hmm. you not a thing yet but you probably experienced it and that's a good place to throw that in so you're not lying about anything or being misleading you just end arounding how you're talking about it yeah and I mean that also gives whenever you do get a phone interview or a Skype interview or an on-camp or an in-person interview that gives the interviewers talking points for you as well mm -hmm. rather than like well, you didn't mention it on your resume. So like, we don't know whether you have it or not. So that also like gives them the opportunity to get a little bit more insight and maybe, yeah, if you don't like have a functional movement screen certification, but you've been exposed to it and they are a program that's really into functional movement and corrective mm -hmm. exercise, like that kind of picks you out as, oh, they've been exposed to it. Oh, they've done it. Like it might not be that hard for them to get the certification if the right. job really feels like they need it. So I think that's pretty much like all, all the make sure that like the fonts not too small or too big. I know everything is electronic nowadays. I know we always said like don't go below a 12 point font, don't go above like a 14 point font. So there's like a very small margin of error, but like you want to make sure people don't have to blow like if you're kind of teetering on the edge between it being one and two pages and then you just make all the fonts super small so then it's hard to read like that's not going to be appreciated because a lot of people do still print those out. And then like, if you can't read it, that's going to be not very great. Um, and just making sure like your formatting is the same throughout, like making sure that um, like whether you have multiple jobs in a row, like make sure if in one place you have your title first, then you have the name of the place that you were working and then you could put the location and the time like make sure that it's the same throughout make sure that the spacing is the same throughout um 
I know one of the things that I've seen and I caught it on my resume um, back when was in some places I realized that I put athletic training student and then some places I put student athletic trainer. So it's like, okay, that's a small detail. Like, and make sure that you're staying up to date with like the NATA and the BOC, their standards of like how everything. So I think it is athletic training student now, if I'm not correct. Um, if I'm not mistaken. So you shouldn't be saying student athletic trainer, or if you were like helping out at a high school when you were in high school, like it should be athletic training student aid. Don't say that you were like a student athletic trainer there if you weren't in an athletic training program. Yep. Um, just like simple things like that. Make sure you're staying up to date on the terminology and really just keeping it uh, really consistent throughout. Makes sense. Yeah, one formatting one that I took from undergrad and I've tried to do better is almost like do your resume like in a huge table so you can mm -hmm. like do the columns and the cells and then so it helps with you instead of like hitting tap 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 um whatever oh, that's really smart and so then, that. yeah and then once you get it you can then go and um just get rid of all the lines and keep which ones that you want for your potential line yep. and i that it saved me so much time of like, is that in line? Uh, is it a space? And so that was one that I've utilized and redone over and over again because you can still do bullets and everything within it. And then your oh yeah, your years on the far side all are in line, so it, it makes life a little easier. Yeah, definitely. So I think that's pretty much. I guess the only other thing would be if you do have to include like a reference page. Um, sometimes they do include the references right on as an extra page after the resume. Um, I personally don't do that, but then sometimes if you have to submit it combined, it's easy to copy and paste. Make sure that you have like more than one way to contact, um, whoever the reference is. Like don't just list their email or don't just list their cell phone number. Also, um, make sure that if you do want to include a cell phone number or a personal email, like check with that person first, because they might not want their cell phones all over, especially like I've included doctors before that I've worked with, like team physicians. Um, and I always ask them like, hey, do you want your office number on there? Or do you mind like me putting your cell phone number on there? And then denote that on the actual page so that the person knows whether they're calling a cell phone or an office. Um, and then just make sure that the formatting throughout, like if you're putting the title and where they work for one person, like you need to put that for each person. Again, just saying like make the formatting consistent because then it's going to make it easier to read unless someone like literally doesn't, maybe doesn't have an email or doesn't, I don't know how you would necessarily make them different, but, or if they have two jobs, maybe, I don't know. But just make sure that you're putting all the same information on there. You don't have to put their address and put their cell and their work and their email. And like, you don't have to put 50 ways to contact them, but make sure that there's at least more than one and at least be able to put where they are. And sometimes you do put how you're associated with them. Um, I guess I've kind of like changed mine back and forth um, between like, were they a former preceptor? Were they a former team position? Was this your program director? Um, you can put that on there if you want. Um, Sometimes it's nice to be able to differentiate that. I don't think that makes that much of a difference though. Gotcha. Okay. I talk a lot. I really think that that was like the gist of everything. No, I, I to was, say. So. Was a ton and it was great. I think it was all super relevant and stuff that is easily implementable. 
which is awesome. yeah awesome oh you ready for those five questions ready for the five questions awesome what is, the first one is, is where do you see athletic training going in the next five to ten years you know it's really hard to figure that out just because our profession is in the middle of changing so much going from like the undergraduate professional program to now the master's professional program. I really, I guess there are things that I think will happen. I, I hope that we're able to gain a lot more recognition in the healthcare world because we are going to have, um, we are going to have outcoming like master's degree. Like you have to have a master's degree if you're an athletic trainer. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that will in the long term benefit us. Um, I think in the shorter term, like the five, I guess the five to 10 years is such a big difference too. I think in the five years, unfortunately, I think it's going to be a lot harder to find like your first time jobs. Like as you're coming out of your master's program, like it is going to turn into like, you do have to do a year internship or you do have to do a year fellowship before you are able to get like a fully sustainable full-time job. Um, especially if you're working in the athletic settings like mm -hmm. in high schools or in the collegiate settings or in the professional settings um i think it's going to be a lot harder um because i'm seeing that with students now that are coming out and they're like well i can't get a full time even though i have a master's degree like well because now you don't really have any experience you only have your experience that you have as a student so i think that's going to be hard but i think ultimately it's going to make our profession a lot more recognizable and i do think that there are a lot of things coming out um especially with like professional sports, like the things that you really see are like, oh, the female athletic trainers working in the NFL or like stuff like that. I think athletic trainers are going to get a lot more recognition um, than they currently do because it has been building year by year. And I think with these increased educational requirements, that's going to be happening more and more. Like we're not just going to be seen as water boys. Like you're going to see us as a lot more. Um, right. Cause I know my family, like they even joke that like, I'm just a water boy and massage therapist. And that's all they ask for when I go home for Christmas. But I think that the general public, I think will be a lot more aware of those things in the next five to 10 years. I, I really hope that the master's degree is able to bring a lot more, um, a lot better salaries to a lot of these positions that right. don't pay a lot because the importance is there. And we are continually able to show the impact that we have, like just by being on a sideline or by being available during a weight session or anything like that. If anybody gets injured, all these stories keep coming out about, I saw one the other day about, um, it was a wrestler to meet that like collapsed, like yeah. as soon as he was done wrestling. And I think there was an athletic trainer there if I read it correctly, but it was like the guy, the guy ended up being saved because medical personnel were right there. Um, right. So I think that those stories like continually coming out are really going to boost us. Um, but those like little things are going to be harder for, I see the next five years, but I think after that, like we're really going to take off. And I would be interested to see if our profession does like, if we do follow the physical therapy model and we do end up being where the entry level is a DAT, just kind of like the PTs are a DPT now. Like yep. I'd be really interested to see if in like 15 to 20 years, like maybe that's the road that we go down. Very well. So. What advice would you give yourself as a younger athletic trainer? Like, if you Oh my gosh. I wish that I paid more attention in class and to my preceptors. <laughs> I was one of those where 
it's like a blessing and a curse. Like I was always able to like pass exams pretty easily, like without studying a lot. But then especially I realized in like my first two years, I'm like, Oh crap. Like I know I got tested on this, but I have no idea like what this is. (laughs) So I wish that I had been able to take in a lot more and really digest a lot of the information because especially in those education programs, people are so like, people are so smart and like, you really need to realize how smart people are around you and be able to take in as much as you can. Like, I know everybody tells students this, and I'm going to say it too. Like, don't be afraid to ask questions with your preceptors. Um, when you're doing your clinical rotations, make sure you ask them at the appropriate time. But a lot of the times preceptors are more than willing to be able to stay around for 20 minutes after they're done. Like if you have questions about something or if you want them to show you something, um, because they know that they're raising the next generation of athletic trainers. So don't be afraid to ask questions um, because that's ultimately going to carry, that's going to carry a long ways. Like there are some things I remember me and one of my preceptors, Connie, like talked about with um, Achilles tendon tears because we had a girl who had one. And I still like kind of reference that talk when I'm talking to athletes who have Achilles tendonitis, like, okay, like this is how this can progress. And this is how, and I remember talking everything through and I can almost give like a word by word conversation of what we had. So those can be really impactful. And a lot of the times stuff that they're teaching you isn't stuff that you can just find in a textbook. Um, So you can do all the reading, all the research that you want, but a lot of the clinical applications and a lot of the ways to explain it that make a lot more sense come from your preceptors. Um, And I think also probably the other thing I would say is don't get yourself in a box. Um, I know, and my program director is still, um, still kind of gets me for this, but I said I wanted to be a female athletic trainer in the NFL. And that was like, I was diehard going to do that when I Mm -hmm. entered the education program. And I definitely did not come anywhere close. And I realized even working like alongside, I helped out with spring football during my GA ship. And I was like, I don't want to work football, but then it's like, make sure that you don't have like a crisis when you realize like, Oh, this is something I went for so long and I'm not going to get it. Like, no, it's okay. Like there's so many, I never thought that I would work in certain places and it ended up being a total blessing. So don't get stuck because you can't get yourself into a certain niche. Like you can get there eventually, or maybe it just wasn't the niche for you all around, like all along. So. Makes sense. What have you found to be the most influential resource in your career? Which you may have kind of already answered, but if you want to add anything to it. I think probably in my career, obviously like going back on those, like all those talks with my preceptor, but then one reason I love working at the collegiate level is I love having coworkers around me. And I love having people to bounce ideas off of or um, being able to help your fellow coworkers as well. Like um, I know that especially a couple of my coworkers are much more experienced and they have experience dealing with this, this, and this. So I know like, Hey, I'm having an issue with this injury. Like this is what's going on. And they can give me a list of like, Oh, did you look at this? Did you look at this? And it's really fun to bounce ideas off. I know some people are more independent, um, but that's not me. I like having a good working relationship. And I like, because then you're also able to kind of sit in and you learn stuff from also your coworkers working on their athletes or working on their patients. Um, And you're just able to get that much more information. So I would say probably that. And then also just your own drive, because you can only be as good as you want to be. And making sure like you're staying... um, 
you're staying up to date. Like one thing I try and do is I try and read one research article a week. Um, just something that's come out in like the last five years. Um, it's not always related to a specific injury that I'm dealing with, but it can really like broaden your horizon. So really like you need to be able to push yourself because that's going to be really influential in how successful you can be. And for me, it has been like being with a band of coworkers because even people that I worked with five years ago, I'll still give them a call or I have really good relationships with some of my former team physicians. So like if I'm stumped on something and like, I might give them a call and be like, Hey, I know that you dealt with this. Like what's something that you think um, that I should be looking for. So. I like it. Um, if you could change or eliminate one thing, it could be a modality, a common practice, a mindset, uh, whatever you choose to be in the field of athletic training, what would it be? So this is really interesting. So I was just talking with one of my friends about it. I think that there is a certain mindset in specific populations. Um, I've noticed it probably the most at like the collegiate level is that you just need a body. Like um, you just need a body to be able to do our job. Like you just need someone to like be sitting out at practice. It doesn't matter how well qualified they are. It doesn't matter what their credentials are, like anything. Um, Cause one of my friends was going through like a hiring crisis and they had someone drop out the last minute and they just needed like, well, we need, like, we just need to hire someone just to like sit at this one sport. And it's like, no, like we can't get in that mindset because as soon as you start getting in that mindset, like then you are going to start hiring like poor quality. I think it's more important. And yes, in this setting, it does suck. Like I said, right now I'm covering track and field. Um, we do have to cover for each other and we do have to go above and beyond a lot because that's just what our job entails, but we need to make sure that nobody, and I don't think athletic trainers get into this mindset. I think sometimes administration or coaches or anything like that can be like, Oh, as long as we have someone sitting out at practice or like sitting out at this tournament, like it'll be fine. Okay. Well, what if an emergency does happen? Like what if someone does have a cardiac event and we just have a body sitting out there that doesn't know how to use an AD? but they're called the medical staff because that's what they're serving as. Mm -hmm. um, so I think making sure that like, we're getting out of that mindset, like, we are valuable. Like we have a lot of skill sets that a lot of people don't realize until we have to use them. One of the jokes that I make whenever I'm covering tournaments or wherever I'm covering PRN games is like, people give me crap, like how much they pay us an hour. And I'm like, yeah, well, the point is you don't want me to have to use my skill set. Like, you want me to sit here and not do that much. Cause yep. if I have to be, if I'm constantly on the field, if something's going on, like that means that something's wrong for the student athletes or for the patients. Um, so it is important to show our value. And I think that it is important that we're not just seen as people who sit out at practice all the time and people who don't do much. Um, so it is important to like not be seen as the body, make sure that you're being active. Um, but make sure that you're realizing your worth too and that you're also not feeling like, oh, I'm just sitting out at practice or I'm sitting out covering this middle school football game or something right. like that. Uh, so make sure that you're able to advocate to yourself for yourself to those other people so that, because that will come with the recognition that athletic, like we're athletic trainers, we do a lot. Um, the problem is most people just don't see it, so. Right. Last question is, what does being an athletic trainer mean to you? Oh gosh. <laughs> Being an athletic trainer. Um, one thing, like I always knew that I wanted to work in the healthcare field. 
I actually wanted to be a cardiovascular surgeon when I went on my job shadowing day back in 10th grade. I didn't fall into athletic training until I was already in college. Um, but really like my big thing is I just want to be able to help people. Like I, it's really hard because we are the person who is there from the time a person enters the clinic or enters campus and we are there when they get hurt usually, like especially in my setting, we're there when they get hurt and then we are there day by day and we go through an entire injury with them. And because if you don't want to help people, like this isn't the profession for you. Like, I'm sorry, but our job is to help people, maybe not necessarily get back to their sport. Like maybe they do have a severe injury or something going on where they shouldn't be returning to that. But being able to, we're able to help them in the long term. Like, can these kids, um, like, can these people grow up and, like, if they have kids in 10, like, me dealing with collegiates, um, can they have kids in 10 years and be able to go play pickup ball with them? Mm -hmm. Or will they need a knee replacement in 20 years and, like, they're only going to be 30 years old and then having to go through all of that? Like, everything that I do is geared towards making someone's life hopefully a little more enjoyable um, in one aspect or another and making sure that it's not just the physical aspect, like making sure that they're mentally being taken care of. Like I always ask my athlete, I ask my student athletes like, Hey, how's your day going? Like how I try um, if I've worked with them a little longer, like I'll ask them about their families and um, asking how their friends are, what they're doing this weekend. Like, cause that little bit of personal touch also does a lot instead of them just coming in, doing an exercise program or doing a treatment and leaving. Um, so I think kind of reframing that too, because a lot of the times like I'll get stuck in a mental funk and I'm like, Oh, I have to go to work today. I have to like do this rehab and I have to take care of this and blah, blah, blah. Instead of doing that, like reframe your mindset too. I get to help someone today. Like I get to see this person and check in on them. Like I get to hear these stories about class or their, friends or everything like I get to help them in some way um so really to me be, that's what being an athletic trainer is because it really is grinding it is a lot of hours it is a very difficult job at times but that's all what it is to me is I'm just here to help you so I like it well said um in closing if people wanted to get in contact with you what's the best place to find you or get in touch um, so my Twitter is handle is at Ash tapes ankles. Um, I was trying to come up with something clever when I was in grad school. So that's what I came up with. Um, or if you want to reach me by email, my email is Ashley, A-S-H-L-E-Y dot A-R-M-B-R-U-S-T-E-R at T-A-M-U-C-C dot E-D-U. Um, so yeah, those are probably the two best ways. I'm on Twitter. If you follow me at all or you look, I'm pretty regular on there. Um, so I'll I'll see stuff on there or you can go ahead and email me if you want me to look over anything. So perfect. Well, thank you very much for taking the time. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. it.